All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 156 in full swing, full motion. Man, we are so happy to be here with you guys today because I'm telling y'all, we got a great, great show for you guys. We have a lot to get to. We got some initial thoughts. We like to call it the Lance Rants as we start off every episode. We got the Eddie Hour coming up. We're going to get out some L's at the end of the show. But we have a very special guest, the host of the Big Mahomes Show on Ebony Podcast Networks. We have an 11, 11-year MLB pitcher and the father of the Chiefs quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, Mr. Pat Mahomes Sr., will be joining us on this episode today momentarily and I cannot wait to get to get his thoughts on all things baseball, all things NFL. We're going to have a lot to talk to talk talk about when it comes to Pat Mahomes and what's going on in his life because he's a very busy man doing what he does, taking care of the family, and we're just so so stoked to have him on the show, guys. But I want to get right into the meat of what I want to start this show off with because there's a lot of things going on inside the Chiefs organization, around the NFL, but I want to centralize our conversation uh, up up front where things are at right now with the Chiefs. So we've been hearing some news came out this week. We heard that the Chiefs parted ways with their starting long, long-time starting linebacker, Anthony Hitchens, who had been here for the last four seasons. The Chiefs decided to part ways with him, saving them about eight and a half roughly $8.5 million in salary cap and allowing him to go and pursue another opportunity with another team in the NFL. Um, we're going to address that part in a second. But we also heard two coaching moves that the Chiefs decided to make. They returned two former uh, coaches. I like to say former because one of these guys had an expiring contract for a second consecutive season. That is Eric Bieniemy will officially be returning as the Chiefs offensive coordinator for at least one more season. And then we heard that Matt Nagy, former Bears head coach over the last four years and former offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, is coming back as the quarterback's coach and offensive consultant, basically an assistant head coach. So these moves are pretty imperative to what the Chiefs want to do moving forward. And I have some some differing thoughts on this because for the last couple of episodes and last couple of uh, weeks, we've been discussing very directly what's been going on with the Eric Bieniemy situation. Over two weeks ago, we had an episode where we basically try to theorize what the hell is going on, why Eric Bieniemy, who is clearly a worthy candidate to get a head coaching job in this league, cannot get a head coaching job, should have had a head coaching job, two off-seasons ago, still hasn't gotten it. We've been theorizing on it, having former Chiefs players coming on like Jason Dunn trying to figure out what it is. Is it race-related? Is it something due to his personality? Does he rub people the wrong way? What exactly is the problem, and why can't Eric Bieniemy get a head coaching job? Well, then we see how quiet things have been between him and the Chiefs. We had heard an initial report that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy would be meeting at some point this offseason to discuss the future of with Eric Bieniemy and the Chiefs and if it is going to make sense. And that's actually why I want to stop and pin it right there. Because as we have theorized over the last couple of weeks of what the issue is, 
we have said on our show, and I don't think we universally agreed on everything, but something I think we all expressed was that at certain points of a business relationship, I feel that you just kind of meet the ceiling. And although I am very grateful for what Eric Bieniemy brought to the table, this offense has been elite since he took over as OC since 2018. I know that the Chiefs have had Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback, so obviously that's going to elevate things and make things look a lot better. But Eric Bieniemy deserves a lot of credit for what took place over these last four years. And I felt that that, 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 that had reached the breaking point, though. I felt this last season should have been the last season with the Chiefs and Eric Bieniemy working together because, again, I felt that all along he should have been head coach two off-seasons ago. After they won the Super Bowl in Miami against the 49ers, that off-season, Eric Bieniemy should have gotten a head coaching job. It didn't happen. So bringing him back was a great thing for everybody because we felt like we had an extension, head, extension of a head coach on our staff. And then we see these next two years where the offense has, just recently this year alone, the Chiefs have their worst slump as an offense. Now, we can pinpoint and point the blame as to who it was or why it was. The fact is, the collective wasn't getting it done. And they did get better as the season progressed. We saw the offense start to click, especially in the postseason as things started to go about and the game started to matter more. But I felt at the end of the season, there needed to be change. And I said on a couple episodes ago that I felt that the Chiefs needed to consider making changes at both coordinator positions, Eric Bieniemy and Steve Spagnuolo. Not that they both weren't doing a good job, but I felt that we've seen the mistakes that Andy Reid has made in the past where he held on too long and then it ended up biting him and his team in the ass. I believe that Bob Sutton started off his career in Kansas City very well. They didn't have a bottom seven, they, they didn't have a defense worse than seventh rank for his first three seasons. But then you saw at the end when they should have let him go after multiple postseason choke jobs and the defense looked worse and worse. They held on too long, and then in 2018, the defense couldn't have been any worse. And then they decided to move on. It was reactive, not proactive. And again, I'm not saying the Eric Bieniemy didn't deserve to come back to Kansas City. What I'm saying is in this particular unique situation, a guy who already should have been a head coach, I feel that the relationship had run its course, and it was time to move on. With Steve Spagnuolo, year three, 29th in, in, in sacks. That's not good enough. In, in the in the postseason, wasn't good enough. If the Chiefs were to move on, it would have made sense because the performance wasn't there and the standard has changed since Patrick Mahomes took over. This isn't just a good team hoping to get in the playoffs and see, see what happens. They are a perennial Super Bowl favorite. And in order to maintain that type of success, you have to be able, be able to be proactive, not reactive. And we know that Andy Reid is a guy that very much believes in his guys and he's loyal to his guys. He has friends in this league. He has friends across the board, and he wants to keep somebody, he's going to keep them. And a lot of times that has worked out. But that is also a problem to a fault sometimes, too, because when loyalty comes into play in sports and in business, a lot of times it can be a detriment. Because let's be honest, loyalty is not a two-way street. Because the moment a player is no longer the player they once the team knew him to be, guess what they're doing with that player? They're moving on from him. And I feel that that should be the same course of action with coaches. And I would have loved to have seen Eric Bieniemy already be a head coach because he deserves it and because of the fact that I don't think that him being an offensive coordinator on this team anymore is the best job for him. But the bright side of this is not only do the Chiefs keep a guy with his experience and with what he's done at this point, but they also added a former offensive coordinator they once had in Matt Nagy. Now Matt Nagy's bringing in his style to collaborate with Andy Reid, with Eric Bieniemy, and you're talking about with Steve Spagnuolo, Andy Reid, Matt Nagy, 
plus Eric Bieniemy not being a head coach yet. But with those three guys in particular, you have 31 combined years of NFL head coaching experience now on this staff, along with a guy like we've already addressed numerous times in Eric Bieniemy that should be a head coach in this league. So you essentially have four head coaches on this coaching staff. So with these guys now together, that is an absolute positive. I don't like the fact that some of these things are going on the way that they've gone from outwardly and inwardly. Again, I think Andy Reid gets a little too loyal sometimes. But the fact that you have that much experience, that much cohesiveness together, man, it's hard for me not to get excited about it in some regard. Now, the things are, what is Matt Nagy's long-term... What is his long-term job here in Kansas City? Because the position he got... What it essentially means is you don't get a lateral move. Either you get a you, you only go upward from there. You get an OC job, you get a head coaching job. His job, you're ne you're never going to see him get demoted or get a lateral job. There's a lot of theories out there about possibly him getting a uh, being the the successor to Andy Reid one day. He's only what 41, 42 years old. So Matt Nagy's very young. He's had success in this league as a head coach. I mean, can you imagine? Leading a, a team with Mitchell Trubisky as your quarterback to the playoffs twice. I thought he, he ruined Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, I thought that too. But yeah, maybe Mitchell Trubisky just ruined Mitchell Trubisky because he's just not he's as good a lot, as he's done a lot since you know never having a losing. Yeah, yeah. When you when he had yes, exactly two two seasons of playoffs with Mitchell Trubisky as your starter. If it wasn't for a double doink kick from yeah. his kicker in the playoffs against the Eagles, they win a playoff game as well. I, I I'm not sitting here saying that Matt Nagy should be the successor. I'm saying that it looks that way now that the Chiefs are bringing him in to be potentially that and obviously they believe that he's going to give something to this offense they didn't have before and let's let's give let's give some credit here to the acquisition the last time Matt Nagy worked for the Chiefs was in 2017 it was Patrick Mahomes' rookie year he only played once one game uh with Matt Nagy as the offensive coordinator it was week 17 against the Broncos yep. and it was with backups but you've heard the way that Matt Nagy has just gushed over Patrick Mahomes even before he ever played a game yep. and then you saw that Alex Smith had his greatest season of in his career the year Matt Nagy was the OC. Now, uh, uh, Matt Nagy didn't call the plays necessarily, but he was game-planning with Andy Reid, so he deserves some of that credit as well. And I think that you're seeing now the Chiefs are trying to get whatever Matt Nagy had five years ago back into this offense now, a fresh set of eyes. Now, Matt Nagy did coach with this team before, so you can't necessarily say, oh, it's a fresh set of eyes. But you have to understand that when you're gone for a certain amount of time, you also learn things too outwardly. You're out there in Chicago. You're you're learning how to be a head coach. You're seeing things differently because you're the man now. Now you get to bring that experience back to Kansas City. Man, I think that's only a positive for everybody here. So I was I was strongly on the side that said, look, I think that they should consider moving on from both Spags and Eric Bieniemy because there were uh, there were suitors out there. Brian Flores, Vic Fangio. There were guys on the defensive side I think would have been upgrades. Keeping Spagnuolo, not a bad thing. I'm just nervous because of the fact that in year three, when it was really his defense, the Chiefs were 29th in sacks. That's a bad thing. That's not a good thing. I know Brett Feach has got a lot of work to do, and if he doesn't, I think this defense is going to be top tier, and I think Spagnuolo will deserve a lot of credit. If and when the Chiefs add things to this offense, they keep Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy implements his offense still. He's able to access things in this offense and learn from year one through year four, and in year five, capitalize on these things. I believe Eric Bieniemy deserves a lot of credit too, because again, these are guys that put in the work. Eric Bieniemy, Matt Nagy, Steve Spagnuolo—they make Andy Reid's job easier, and I think they are going to all work together. I'm very—I'm—I'm I'm feeling good about this one. I'm choosing optimism in this one. It may not have gone exactly as I liked it to, but I'm looking at the bright side of this, and I'm thinking 30-plus years of NFL head coaching experience with a guy that should have been a head coach two years ago. 
That, to me, is a win for Patrick Mahomes, for the defense, and for them moving forward to become Super Bowl champions again. Trevor, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this this last week of chaos, and then we can move to the Anthony Hitchens and other player uh, situations that we can theorize will happen this offseason. Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, I just want to touch on the, the Matt Nagy thing real quick. Uh, I'm glad to have him back. I've been wanting him back. I've been voicing that um, for the past few weeks now. I thought that was a good move. I think it makes too much sense. Um and I think he, I, I still believe in Matt Nagy as like a, a, an offensive mind. I think he's really good with the RPOs. I think he's he's, he's going to find help, be more uh, creative with certain things with Pat. I think he understands Pat pretty well. Um, I think him being kind of in the ear of the enemy and Andy Reid and all those that that you know that hive mind between the three of them is going to be. I think it'd be a beautiful thing. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm glad back. I think he's he slides right back in and fits right in. He uh, he's well respected amongst the locker room already. These guys know him. Um, so yeah, I think he's like a welcome back uh, voice and face in that locker room. So I'm I'm excited about that um, to see what he can bring possibly and uh, or bring back things that he he was successful with here before um, because he did run more of a vanilla offense, but it was also very potent at the same time uh, with Alex Smith. So maybe um, you know maybe that might some of his input might help you know have more success against these cover twos and these deep safety safety you know uh, schemes. Uh, so he might have some things that he sees things differently than Vietnamese or, or Coach Reed does right now at this point. So that might be helpful. Uh, so think about it that way. So glad to have him back. Um, and as far as the Spags things goes, I was actually – I didn't want to see Spags. I, I, Vangio was available, and they wanted to make something happen. like that. I did like that move because I, I liked what he did in Denver a lot. Granted, he had a lot of talent, but I, I liked his aggressive mentality on defense. Um, but I will say, I think – I mean, we were one of the worst teams in sacks, obviously. The 29th, you said? 29th in sacks. In sacks. But we are also in the top half. Weirdly, we are in the top half of the league. I think top 12 or 13th or whatever in pressures. So for me, that's a player issue. Guys are getting pressure. They're just not finishing plays. There's only so much Spags can do with that. He's generating pressure. He's calling right blitzes and plays. But guys aren't finishing plays. We saw that in the playoffs. You know, it was very frustrating to see. Guys would get hands on quarterbacks or get their feet, and we let them slip. We got we to gotta finish plays. That's the biggest issue on defense for me. We have the talent there. We have the right calls. I think Spags is safe. I think he's good to go. But for me, it was more of a player issue this year. Um, that's why Melvin Ingram was such an impactful player because he was out there just finishing plays, you know, bringing guys to the ground. Uh, so that set a new tone, and hopefully we can carry on with that and start finishing plays more than just creating pressure. Um, and as far as the Eric Bieniemy stuff goes, listen, I love Eric Bieniemy. We've loved Eric Bieniemy on the show. We've we've wanted him. We've been rooting for him to get a coaching job for the last few years now. Uh, so there's definitely no uh, hate or anything like that or any like. Listen, there could have been absolutely 100% a rift between Eric Bieniemy, Coach Reed, Patrick Mahomes, whoever these other players are that had possible beefs. That story could have been partially true, and they could have worked it out. Yep. You know what I mean? Like we gotta stop being so absolute about everything. And not everything is black and white. You know. If, if say in a relationship someone cheats and they ended up working out they ended up you know working it out and like the couple gets back together and they, they they settle their differences and blah 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 that doesn't mean the other person didn't cheat still right that still happened but they ended up working out and they carried on and they lived happily ever after that's a possibility so there's an just because there was a possible issue not, nothing's obviously been confirmed but i'm saying like as far as like you know the quote-unquote journalists or whatever you want to talk about all this a lot of people out here right now turning, tearing other people down to make themselves look better, and it's honestly embarrassing in this field or whatever. Um, this is a sports talk world, but uh, listen, I love Eric Manami. I'm glad he's back. It is it is strange the way they keep bringing him back, like quietly. 
Um, differently, like we made a big announcement for Matt Nagy being here. Granted, he's an outsider coming back in, but there there is kind of an odd vibe to the BNME situation right now. But I listen, me personally, I love him. I'm glad he's here. We've had a lot of success with him. Uh, I think that can, can obviously very well continue. Um, I don't know what happened with them. I know there was a meeting between him and him and Andy Reid. Uh, so I'm I'm sure they settled their difference like grown ass men. Like. We all should, so I'm sure you know if there was any differences, they were settled there, and they came to the conclusion that it was a good idea to bring him back for another year. And I'm 100% on board with that. We can talk about the loyalty thing, sure, but we've had massive success. Because I'm not going to compare him to Bob the Bob Sutton situation, because Bob Sutton was an absolute dumpster fire, pretty much from the jump. Like he had a lot of talent on that team, and we had good defenses at, uh, for one season, I believe, with Bob Sutton. But most of his <laughs> coaching career here was pretty bad. Um, so I, I can't say the same about Eric Manmi. He's coached some of the most potent offenses in NFL history at this point. <coughs> so um, I'm I just, I just all, I, all I'm all, I'm a Chiefs first guy yep. at all times, right? I want the best for this franchise, no matter what names on the jersey, no matter what coaches on the sidelines. I want W's. I want rings. That's all I care about. So if he's going to contribute to that, if, if Eric Manmi is going is going to be a, a part of that, which he already has been, I'm on board with it. You know what I mean? So. I'm glad he's here. I'm glad. I'm. I'm. I'm glad my guy Nagy's back. I love Nagy. Um, I'm hoping these guys can all come together and, and you know uh, fix the blunder that was this past this past postseason. Uh, we we're, look. We're coming off the biggest failure in Chiefs history, in, in my mind. That was the biggest loss in Chiefs history to, to the Bengals. Um, so we're, we're going to need everybody to, to team together and 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 bond and come up with a game plan plan to overcome what we saw. You know, not let that happen again. Uh, so if Eric Bieniemy is going to be in the mix of that, to be a part of that solution, so be it. You know what I mean? So I'm here for it. Um, love EB. Uh, never had any hate or any, disp- you know, no spite or anything like that, you know, in his direction. You know, I always wanted to see the, uh, the guys can settle the differences. That's all I want. I want success for this team. That's all that matters to me, man. Well, I'm going to start with the, with the EB, the EB news. I probably was the only one here that 100% wanted EB not to return to the Chiefs, not because he was a bad mm-hmm. coach, not because not because of the article. This was before the article. I was I wanted something different for this offense. I wanted something something new. Uh, obviously, what what wasn't working was the old. So out with the old, in with the new kind of thing. So I wanted something new. I wanted to give the opportunity to somebody else, see what they can do with this explosive offense. See if they can reignite that that uh, that fire, that passion that this offense has, and we know that they have because they've shown it. They showed it this season, but it was so inconsistent this past season. So we, I, I wanted somebody to come in here and kind of give give ignite that fire again and be constant throughout the season. So I wanted a change at OC. I'm not I'm not gonna say it's like I hate the decision of the Chiefs bringing back EB. No. I like it, but like I said, me as a fan, I would love to see something different, go go a different route there. Uh, with the whole loyalty thing, I get it. it you can say it's a loyal, loyal, loyalty issue with uh, with uh, Andy Reid, but some of these loyalties do pay dividends to the to the Chiefs. Uh, they pay dividends for the Super Bowl. Kind of, he brought Spagnolo, who is a guy that he knows and trusts, so. That's his loyalty showing, and he brought Spagnola. He trusted him, and he gave us a Super Bowl. Eric Bieniemy, he's loyal to Eric Bieniemy. He made him his OC. So, yes, it's gonna have its ups and downs. I think everything has its ups and downs, and his loyalty is gonna have ups and downs. So, uh, 
yet again. We saw it with uh, Bub Sutton. You brought Bub, Bub Sutton up. We saw it. He failed in the biggest stage, the biggest game of the Chiefs. In Chiefs Arrowhead history, pretty much. Cause that time, for sure. And he failed, and Andy Reid said, hey, it's over. You know, it's time to move on. He did. So, him bringing back Nagy back, uh, he knows the system. So, I, I liked it because he knows the system. He knows, obviously, he's worked with Andy Reid for years. Uh, obviously, he was the Chiefs OC. And uh, Patrick Mahomes learned from Matt Nagy uh, kind of like uh, a different different style, different playbook, uh, different different little stuff in there, things that he did with Alex Smith that he could, uh, you know, put on Patrick Mahomes, kind of like those quick check downs or give what the defense kind of gives you. Simpl kind of Simplify the yeah, offense. Yeah, just simplify the offense, kind of help him read defenses a lot better, uh, maybe kind of help him with that mental issues or, or, or something. Uh, his game, his ability, kind of help him with that. So I, I like this. I like this hire. I like, I like Nagy coming back and being the quarterback coach. I think that's a perfect role for him. Uh, so I'm happy with that. So Yeah, yeah. And, and I do want to piggyback on a couple of things you guys did say. Go ahead, Eddie. And then we got... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, give me comments. Uh, Darren Smith, actually. He's like, Lance, you can't have it both ways. You can't say or blame him for being loyal to his assistants and then credit him for bringing Nagy back. Which one is it? Say that one more time. So you can't have it both ways. You can't say or blame him for being loyal to his talk about Andy Reid, loyal to his assistants, and then credit him for bringing uh, Nagy back. Which one is it? The lo the loyalty aspect of it all is, is is something that I'm saying is not good when it comes to guys that are not performing at the highest level anymore, and they've reached right. their peak, or you can tell that it's no longer it's no longer working. Why did we move on from Nagy? Why did they move on? Yeah, Nagy got a head coaching job because right. he got an opportunity. He took it just like if Eric Bieniemy got a head coaching job, he would have moved on. That's the I, that's what I'm addressing, is that Eric Bieniemy should already be gone. He should already have a head coaching job. The loyalty aspect is what I'm saying. It bites us in the ass because you see him hold on to people too long, to and then it doesn't work out in the end. And then it goes, and then it looks bad. He's not loyal. If, if he was just loyal to a fault with Matt Nagy, he would have said, "No, I don't want you leaving. Don't take the head coaching job. Stay with me. I'll take care of you." All right. Matt Nagy got an opportunity, so he took it. Just like if Eric Bieniemy got an opportunity, he would do the exact same thing. Andy Reid isn't clamping on to people and saying you can't go anywhere. I want you to be with me. No, he's the freedom is there for them to go and go. But if Matt Nagy has an opportunity to come back here and be a contra a contributing factor, then yes, I want that because I think he's talented, just like Eric Bieniemy. Did I think it was best for them to move on from Eric Bieniemy? Yes, but him coming back is not a bad thing for this offense because Eric Bieniemy knows what the fuck he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. There's a reason he's been here for four years, and they've had the greatest four years stretch. I don't know how else to say this stuff. Like we, it's almost like we can't be critical about people, and if we are critical about them, that means I must think he isn't good at his job or he's not helping it's, out. Yeah, people, I have praised Eric yeah. Bieniemy. There are receipts on my posts. Yeah. Look me in the eye. There are receipts on my posts and in my, and, and this very show where I sit here and praise the man. I think he should be a head coach. I don't know what else to say at this point, so I'm going to move on from that. So when it comes to uh, some of the things you had said, Trevor, I wanted to address that because uh, when it came to Spagnolo in particular, the reason why I addressed the fact that I thought that it was it, they should entertain the thought of him move, them moving on is because of the fact that you're right, the pressures were there, and you can say that is a, that is a player thing. I do agree. 
But in year three, we are still seeing, for the, at least the first month and some change, Daniel Sorensen getting 100% of the snaps while healthy Juan Thornhill, you just traded up to, you got up in the second round for a couple of years ago, is yeah. sitting on the bench playing 25% His of the His adjustments snaps. have been suspect, yes. for sure. And, and, mm -hmm. and what I don't like is, again, what I said already about reactionary is being proactive. That is something I think Steve Spagnuolo falls into quite quite too often, as he gets comfortable with guys. Where he's even said it himself, "I want predictability as opposed to unpredictability." Well, I understand that, but when guys like Ben Neiman and Dan Sorensen are taking up a lot of the snaps, seventy-five plus percent of the snaps, your defense is going to fall fail. That's what's going to yeah, it's predictably <laughs> going to fail. And I don't like that about Steve sometimes. And I feel that he sticks with guys that he just he likes and he believes in. It's cute. It's great. I understand it. You've been successful. Trust. for a reason and trust yeah. and trust is a thing but when the performances aren't matching up with the trust you're giving them yeah. you gotta move on because there are guys out there more talented that you can develop trust with all I'll say was it's unfortunate that that stat exists because we were we were very good at getting pressures this year we should have been like in the top 10 in sacks we were there all the time we have a fucking Chris Jones on our team you know we have our own Hulk yeah. you know what I mean we, it's just unfortunate that we weren't higher in sacks because I think if we were he'd probably be, he'd be a little lighter on him right now but I do agree with you, his he had a lot of unforgivable lack of adjustments, uh, especially during that rough run we were going through. Um, but I, I, I still believe in Spags. I think he has a really good system. I think he's very good at generating pressure when he's in the finish plays, and he's very good at um, creating pressure up front, which helps the back end too. Which is which is why he's had a lot of success with guys like Traverius Ward. Got a lot of guys that no one really knew, but he's made them into very impressive corners yep. because of the the pressures. But he's got to finish plays. If we could finish plays, we would have been a top five defense all oh, yeah. year. If you know Chris I mean? Jones, if Chris Jones had the help this season, yeah, we, yeah, we would have been up there. Yeah, and Frank Clark would have been available. And yeah, with Spagnola, what frustrate, fr frustrates me about Spagnola is that his adjust, he doesn't adjust during the game. Yeah. He adjusts after the game's already either won or lost. Yeah, that's that seems to be a, a problem on both sides and of the ball. But yeah. yes, the, the offense and defense struggle yep. with that because they can't seem to adjust during the game, and that is one big issue I have with with Spagnola. He's not a bad. He's not a bad uh, DC. He's he's a. I think he fits perfectly with this Chiefs team. It's just, I think he just needs to uh, make those adjustments during game time yeah. and not after the game I mean, the guy's got three or a couple Bowl, games so. after that. So right. yeah, yeah, so he has three Super Four yeah. reason. Right. So. Um, and then I wanted to say this about the article. I'm glad you brought it up, Trevor, because I hadn't. I didn't really. It, it did escape my mind, admittedly, because I'm I'm so just jacked. We're gonna talk with Pat and everybody else yeah, that course. we got going on today. But um, one more one more uh, aspect of that, you you said it. And I don't want to steal your thunder by any means of what you said, uh, but you said that uh, you know that that everything could have happened 100 percent as it was said in the article, and they still could have worked things out. Yeah. I want people to understand. Both can be true. It's literally the definition of nuance that you can have something that goes terribly wrong. And two people have a horrific relationship. And I'm not even saying that's the case because I don't believe that Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes or Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid had terrible relationships. I don't believe that at all. Yeah, but have been moments. And, and here's the other thing: I think what happens is when you read it, when you read something that you don't believe, you're not gonna you're not gonna move off of it. Yeah, you're just gonna say no, no matter what is being said. I don't believe it because it's coming from this source that I don't believe. It's not credited. It doesn't it doesn't meet these criteria as to what I believe and don't believe. But what's funny about that again is I'll bring up the fact that we just had verified accounts this last week, like Rich Ornberger, Barstool Sports, coming out and making up complete or use, yeah, utilizing complete fabricated lies about Patrick Mahomes and his own family. So what is it? What what do we go by? And so here's the other thing. In that article, if you actually took time to read it, 
Never once does it say that Eric Bieniemy was not going to be returning as the Chiefs' offensive coordinator. Never once does it say that the, yeah. the Chiefs didn't, they don't trust Eric Bieniemy. they don't think he's good at his job, they don't want him back. Never once does it say anything of that. It gives detailed anecdotes of what took place between him and players, interactions Exploring between him and the coaches. What, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's talking about a detailed situation or yeah. situations. Yeah. And what's funny is the same guys... Which, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw. I actually was penciled in as one of the people that supposedly wrote the quote-unquote hit piece. That's, you did. I was waiting it was for you. it. It's so great. I'm it's so glad. Yeah. But what's funny, asshole. what's funny, there's a receipt on Twitter. February 7th of this year, the same guys that dropped this article are the same guys that posted the tweet before anybody else that Eric Bieniemy was going to be coming back as the Chiefs offensive coordinator for one, on a one-year deal. Guess what happened? Who's their source? Guess what happened? Oh, that's right. That exact thing happened. This is why I told everybody that the people that I know within this situation that wrote this article, the people that I do know in it, have been right. You don't know anybody. Whether it's uncomfortable, whether it's weird, whether it's they they took down or it's an editorial board, whatever the case is, if there's truth to something, yeah. it's truth. Yeah. It doesn't matter where it's coming Fuck from. Fuck your feelings, bro. And I don't care. It doesn't like, matter how you yeah, feel. The downplaying of who it is that's saying it, it doesn't matter. If the words are true yep. or if there's merit to it, you have to at least take it seriously. So with Eric Bieniemy, I'll set the record straight. And, I, and you guys can clip this. You guys can do whatever you want. I'm happy he's back because I think he's good at his job. Yes. Do I think that? Do I think they reach the ceiling with his what he does here in Kansas City? Yes, because I think he should be moving on. I think the Chiefs should be moving on and getting fresh blood at offensive coordinator. I think he should be leading his own team somewhere. That's not a negative thing. That's not me saying I think he sucks or I don't like Eric being around Maddie's back. I just think that it was the wrong decision to run this back as it was. Adding Matt Nagy, I think, softens that a little bit. And having that much experience on your staff is never a bad thing. But if there is another slump that comes about this next season, similar to what we just saw this last year, we have to start asking some legitimate questions here. Because what else would it be? Are we going to sit here and say that it's Patrick Mahomes? Are we going to sit here and say a 23-year 23-year head coach and Andy Reid, who's had a Hall of Fame career before Patrick Mahomes was even drafted, is the problem? Well, we have to start yeah. wondering what it is. It's just a fair question. Yeah. It's not accusation. It's a question. Well, and, and too, uh, and it's not even a single. It's not even a single problem. Pro most likely, because that's never how it usually goes, right? This is this could be a collective issue. Because when, even when I read that article, I was upset with Andy Reid if that was if this was the case. Because a lot of this falls at the feet of him, because he is the head. He's the one that was allowing things. He's the one that brought in Eric Bieniemy. You know, if there was issues going on, he should have nipped that shit in the bud right away and said, "Hey, he should have you know whipped it out a little bit and showed who he was." Because he has the head coach, he right? Has that so power. if anything, I was upset with Andy Reid. I was upset with the organization. Things that you know, the men amongst who whoever this beef was in between, not settling it quickly and understanding there's a bigger goal here and putting that shit behind you, like you should. So it's if there's. I don't ever. I never took that article or who, what that even with discussions around it as a hit piece on it on, on Eric Bieniemy that he was the sole purpose, the sole problem. You could take it that way. It was it was literally just shedding a light on an issue that involved Eric Bieniemy at the source of the issue. Yeah. That's it. But there's there's obviously a lot of you know micro issues around that where they were going on as a collective. We that's how you have to take it in as a nuanced thinking person, someone who allows themselves to critically think about situations like that. You can't just like oh this this is it and thinking in absolutes because then that's a one track mind and you're just gonna go off on rants and you're gonna end up looking stupid in the long run. You have to allow yourself to think critically in the bigger situation. 
not just the one individual. He's back. I love him. I'm glad he's back. Hopefully we can settle our differences and he can have the success that he's already once had here before and then possibly maybe launch pad himself. We've been wanting this for years, man. Yeah. At this point, I honestly thought Eric Enemy would be a head coach somewhere. The Saints thing, I thought that was going to happen for sure. The long eight-hour interview, I thought that was going to happen. He should be going into year three as a head coach But at right the now. same time, this should give you pause. I know we can talk about the race issue and that can go on a whole different path. He's had success here for a long time. He's won a Super Bowl here. He's been a part of the one of the, the greatest run in this franchise's history. There's got to be other reasons why he's not getting a job other than the the you know the issues that we know that are a, a, abundant in this league. It's just there's got to be a little bit more to that to why he's not getting. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm glad he's back. I love EB. I love the intensity he brings. I just hope that whatever differences there were, they've smashed. They've been cooked. They've been eaten. They've been digested. And they've been shitted out, right? That's all I care about, man. Just move on. I want success for this team. That's all that matters to me. And then we had a uh, a decision, and we talked about this on our show a couple weeks ago about unpopular decisions the Chiefs have, have to make. I don't think this necessarily was a uh, an unpopular decision with uh, releasing linebacker Anthony Hitchens for a couple of reasons. One, it saves the Chiefs nearly $9 million in cap space, which they desperately need at this point. And I know they're going to make some other moves to add to that, that said cap space, but... Uh, Anthony Hitchens, I feel, is somebody that also uh, ran his course here in Kansas City, and especially with the backing of an emerging star in Nick Bolton, uh, the Chiefs going and getting him last year in the second, or in the, yeah, in the second round, going and getting Nick Bolton to, I believe, ultimately succeed uh, Anthony Hitchens. This is a plan that I think Veach had in place. I don't even think, though, that Veach and the Chiefs anticipated Nick Bolton to emerge this quickly, but here we are. We, I think the Chiefs have themselves an absolute star and stud yeah. in, in Nick Bolton and Willie Gay on the outside as well. This is the new era of Chiefs football on the defensive side, and I'm really excited about this, and that's also another reason why I bring up the whole Spags thing, because I'm really hoping that Spags can get as much out of Nick Bolton and Willie Gay and these other young, talented defensive players that he has now that they've really trimmed some fat. And unfortunately for Anthony Hitchens, I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say he was a trash player. The problem with Anthony Hitchens, though, is that what they needed out of his position, he couldn't give. Yeah. They needed him to be a little bit better in pass coverage, and he was terrible in well, pass and, coverage. And, and leadership, too. It wasn't. I, I didn't really see the thing. I don't want to make a, a double standard here, but it, it is kind of a double standard. Tyron Matthews, some of the things he said on Twitter, I feel that we can kind of put up with a little bit more because of how great he is at football. When it comes from guys like Anthony Hitchens, who are very, like, at best, average, just yeah. at best, at their very peak, they're an yeah. average linebacker. For him to say some of the things he says that protect his tweets. Yeah. It, it, it comes off it, it hits the ear a little bit differently because I don't feel you really have the credence or the clout quite frankly he's that Tyron really Matthew guy. has he's been a behind the scenes kind of guy most of his yeah career. exactly he's really quiet he's dude he wasn't guy. like right. uh, Tyron Matthew who's always been vocal so yeah. it's more of like a norm from us oh, to hear it from Tyron, Tyron. Oh, that's Tyron, what Tyron does Tyron screen. Anthony Hitchens to be a like a quiet Leonard type of dude yeah. to all of a sudden be coming out and just straight calling us all out and yeah. generalizing a fan base it's kind of a problem sticking on the field I don't think this. I think this is maybe the most common sense move the Chiefs had to make, outside of obviously Patrick Mahomes restructuring his deal, outside of figuring out something with Frank Clark. I felt like this was like the the first of the dominoes to fall, and I'm glad the Chiefs didn't hesitate in making this move because once they did it, like I said, it freed up money, and I think it frees up Nick Bolton now. It gives him the opportunity to really take that spot and become the guy in the middle of this defense because you saw what Nick Bolton was doing on part time. Dude was out there getting over 115 tackles. So now that he's going to be the guy with a year of experience under his belt, 
in this defense. I think it's only going to take this defense along with Nick Bolton to the next level. This is the right move. I appreciate Anthony Hitchens for being a part of a championship winning team, for helping the Chiefs get to back-to-back -back Super Bowls, to help them get their straight AFC championships. He did play his part, but that time has come to a close. The Chiefs made a good business decision, and I'm glad we're where we're at. I think the Chiefs are better now because of it. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, man, like you said, he anyone who's a part of the, the, the run that – you know, in 2019, we got the, we what got us over the over the top and gave me the best experience of my life as a sports fan. I am 100% in your graces, yeah. right? Anyone who's a part of that. Um, so he did his, you know, he did his part. Do I think he did his part to the degree that I thought he should have? Overall, probably not. Um, you know, he came into to fill in some big shoes. You know, since the since DJ has gone, you know, we haven't really had that that linebacker captain leader type. I mean, obviously, you said like Tyron obviously came in to kind of fill that that role that need but he just was very very spotty with his production um he, he was always there but he never really noticed him you know he wasn't like for the money he got here yeah you know he wasn't really uh his name wasn't being called nearly as en enough as we probably thought he should have been so listen man i don't have much to say about him about what you know he contributed he, he got us there you know he was a part of the promised land squad we got there we got the ring I, i'm forever in his graces for that we had a great run with him but it's just time to move on. Like you said, Nick Bolton, y'all know my love for Nick Bolton since day one, since that pick, since I was watching this film. I love what that guy brings. Um, I, I, think, I already think he's better than Hitchens. I think he's more talented than Hitchens honestly ever was in my mind. I think he's got it um, as that guy. So I'm looking forward to the Bolton era for sure. That's good. That's good. Well, we're a few minutes away from having our guy, Mr. Pat Mahomes, joining us. So in the meantime, I think it's a, I think it's a time to transition over to the Eddie Hour. Eddie, do you have some uh, thought-provoking questions for us today? Oh, I do not. <laughs> well, you're fired. <laughs> Any brain busters? <laughs> All right. No, I got a few questions. All right. Well, what do you want to start, man? Uh, what kind of sport? NFL, what you got? MLB, NBA. Okay, what, what you got? got? Yeah. All right, let's What's go MLB, man. I, I want to get your thoughts. This is a question that comes from from me, not like not from. I haven't seen this a lot on Twitter or anything, but it's more on on uh, what I've seen. Uh, so we know we know that the MLB uh, obviously is going through uh, the lockout. Yeah. So. With a slowly dying sport, are baseball players doing the right thing with this lockout? Uh, right thing for who exactly? Because there's a lot of different variables in all of this. So for the sport and for the product, no, it's not. It's not good because you got to have games, and and you don't gain fans by not playing. And this is already becoming a regionalized and borderline niche sport. That's crazy to say, but baseball is on the precipice of becoming more of a niche sport. I never thought I would say that in my in my life, uh, but it's already regionalized. You don't watch Ray, uh, uh, Orioles versus Rangers. Right. You don't ever watch that game because nobody gives a shit outside of Texas and Baltimore. So that's that, it's becoming one of those disinteresting sports. And unfortunately, when things like this occur, and they occur on a very common practice in baseball. You're gonna lose interest from even your even your loyal fans. You're seeing it, and guys like Jeff Passan, uh, one of the best reporters in baseball, is talking about how they're not even close. 
this is a real problem. I yeah. mean, we're, and I'm, I'm actually going to ask Pat about this as well because he's in the know. The dude played a long time in baseball and he knows people. And I'm going to ask him, what, you know, what the hell is going to happen of all this because I'm, I'm confused. I mean, it all comes down really. The biggest hangup is the CBT. The, 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 the basically it's a, a soft salary cap that they're proposing. And that that cap's gonna hurt bigger teams, bigger spending teams yeah. with the luxury tax. So there's a real rift here that I think isn't just gonna go away. And if the players aren't willing to uh, to succumb basically to what the league is asking them of, I, I don't see how this is gonna work. And for guys like Max Scherzer and Eric Hosmer and guys like that that have hundred million dollar contracts, that ain't gonna hurt them. It's going to hurt the dudes that are out there right now. They're living paycheck to paycheck as baseball players. Guys that are on the cusp of making it from the AAA up to the majors. Those are the guys we got to start watching out for. So the pressure is definitely on the MLPA, MLBPA, the Players Association, to get this done because they're the ones that are really, this is costing. The ba- baseball's sitting pretty. A lot of these owners, these dudes ain't worried about it. They can, they can take some time off. They can afford it. Do they want to? No. But these new TV deals and stuff are going to start kicking in soon, and that's when the money's going to start generating. They're not tripping. Because we know baseball will eventually return. In the meantime, this is only screwing the players and the fans. And those are the two you do not want to screw over because they're the ones that make the money and bring the money. Listen, there's always going to be those sickos that are watching the Brewers and Athletics on a midday one one, (laughs) on a Wednesday. There's always going to be that that group. But it is becoming niche, like you said. Uh, The sport is is dwindling, man. Um, They got to sexify it a little bit. They got to... and then whole, and not having the product on TV at all is only going to hurt the product even more. I don't I don't know how to save the MLB. I really don't. I'm not a big MLB guy myself, um, but I don't think a lockout is a, a good timing thing right now. I think it's uh, I don't know. I, there's a, there's obviously a massive rift between the players, the the organization itself, this newly introduced capped situation when it's never really been a cap in this in you know the sport. And um, <clears throat> I don't know what their their angle is if they're trying to you know spread the the talent amongst elite a, li- a league a little more but the league has always thrived when there's juggernaut teams that's kind of how sports thrive in general i mean there's always pe- people people love dynasties people love dominant teams that are you know the, the nba was at an almost all-time high when it was the warriors and Cavs every year you know that was one of the greatest most entertaining eras in, in nba history it was yep. some of the funnest games to ever watch and se- series to ever watch so i don't know what the really the angle is they're trying to really do with the new cap situation um uh, but I mean, I don't know, man. I really don't. I, as far as when it comes to baseball, I'm kind of like on the outside of the bubble looking in. Um, I don't care too much, but I know, like, I know they have their fans, and these fans want, you know, they want their games. You know, and I think the sooner they get the sport back, the better. I think that only makes sense as far as the, you know, not losing more and more people because I think the longer they wait, the more and more people will kind of get over this sport. Um, at least, you know, for the first half of the season, you know, come playoff time, baseball, playoff baseball is always fun to watch, regardless if you're a fan of the team that's on the TV or not. There's something about playoff baseball that's magical. And even me, I'll say that for sure. I enjoy watching it. Uh, the World Series is one of the greatest events in, in you know, the world. So um, they got a lot of, there's a lot more than just this holdout that they got to fix in the MLB, man. There's a whole lot of issues going on, um, you know, so a whole lot of fixing going on. But I, I mean, I, it, it, to me, it's common sense. The sooner you get the sport back on TV and getting fans and asses in the seats and stadiums, the better. It only can only make sense. All right. Let's go to uh, NBA. So as the NBA season is fast approaching the end, who is your favorite to win MVP? You know, I want to say Joel Embiid because I think he deserves it a lot. But, guys, I'm telling you right now, DeMar DeRozan is emerging. 
DeMar DeRozan's last like 14 games, he's averaging like 36 a game, man. And he's out there being efficient with the ball, shooting in a high clip. That Bulls team is fun, man. Man! Like, I don't think they're going to win the title or anything like that. I think they're going to make a decent playoff push. But DeMar DeRozan's... My guy Mark Gunnell said something on Twitter the other day that was perfect. He goes, I don't think I've ever seen a guy that is like that it's like DeMar DeRozan that gets a second wind like this. I've never seen this, this before. This is why I wanted the Lakers to go a after him good, so bad this past offseason. Yeah, a really, really, really good player, DeMar DeRozan, who's always been a very solid 18 to 20 point guy a game. You know, I've always said that he's like the better version of Reggie Miller that just can't shoot threes. He's better than He's better than Reggie Miller. What I'm saying, though, is like he's just one of those guys that's just always just good, right? He's great this season. Yeah. Great. Like an elite player. Man, I'm almost rooting for DeMar DeRozan to win the MVP because imagine that kind of story. Going from a guy that was never really going to make the Hall of Fame. He wins an MVP. Man, all of a sudden you're talking about a guy that might have a Hall of Fame ballot. Might get himself in the Hall of Fame because he's, what, 31? Mm-hmm. I want to say 30-31. He has himself another three great seasons of basketball. All of a sudden you're looking at a guy that went from really good to really great, and I am rooting for it, man, because you do not see stories like this. So right now, I still think it's Joel Embiid, but I think if DeMar DeRozan holds on to this, I think he's going to win it. I think he's going to win MVP. I love the DeMar call. I think if he takes him to the Eastern Conference Finals against Philly or something or whoever, if he takes him that far... Um, it's crazy too because he came into that team. That was Zach Levine's team. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was not it was not even a question. Right. You know what I mean? He came and he took that team over. It's his team now, which is cool to see because Zach Levine is an elite talent in my mind too. He's a freak athlete. Fun to watch too. But like he kind of took over that leadership role and he's an old school type Rip Hamilton style, a little more athletic than Rip Hamilton, obviously, but a mid range scorer, yeah. right? A stop and pop kind of guy. Um and he's he's kind of one of the very few players that's very elite at that still in this league and that little stop. You know, post you up a little bit, fade away, mid-range jumper. Uh, you know, old team at kind of style, Kobe kind of style with that fade away in the mid-range. It's it's cool to see that still in this league because this 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 league is so three-point driven now at this point. Uh, but I think it is Joel Embiid's point. Um, you can talk about Jokic, you can talk about LeBron, what he's done this year with the lack of talent around him. Granted, the, the, there's no team success really there, so that kind of hurts him. But his numbers are outrageous at this time of his career. Uh, he's not going to get it, obviously, but we all know how that goes. Um, but I mean, you could even I think. I think Devin Booker has a good shot here this last stretch of the regular season. Especially with Chris Paul well, being out. Chris down. Paul being out, if they continue the success, they continue to win games, and they get that one seed in the West, he might get MVP just because of that without Chris Paul there. This, We're this not even talking stretch. about Giannis. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, you got Giannis. Like I said, you got Jokic, who's still yeah. numbers are stupid, and, and the Nuggets are still in the top, you know, yeah. top three, four teams in the West. That's impressive, man, and they've lost a lot of guys. So, um, I mean, Luca's numbers are outrageous this year, too, but they're not having team success, really. Um, there's so many talented guys, but as far as team success with the numbers, I think DeMar DeRozan and Joel Embiid would probably be at the top of my list, and I'm excited to see. Joel Embiid and Harden looked good the other night playing together, man, so that was impressive to see. I'm happy to see that. <laughs> I know you have your your questions about the playoff time, but that could be a nasty duo heading into the playoffs, man. That could be something that you know, just, just kind of clicks at the right time. Um, so I do, I do, I think Joel Embiid is the top of the list right now, just the way he's playing is insane oh, since the season started dude the number's been wild he hasn't had his co-star my only problem year. my only problem with James Harden like I say guys is he in the playoffs all of his numbers dropped well, and, and field goal percentage not only that percentage, it's, it's a scary it's a fragile it's a fragile duo because yeah. of his woes mentally and then Joel Embiid's health uh, going into playoffs yeah. he always gets hurt so yeah. can he stay healthy and then can you know can James Harden I get why they made the move together? I just hope people understand that this yeah. is gonna it's gonna end before people want it to this is yeah but yeah so 
I love the DeMar the, that's who I want to win I think the, yeah. the DeRozan story would be cool well I should say I want I want Embiid to win just because I'm a KU guy and I think he deserves it and I love the success and I think he's been a top three player in this league for some years now but he's kind of finally starting to hit his stride and leading this team uh, so I hope Joel Embiid wins it but if DeMar wins it man that'd be a hell of a story for him for sure you gotta mention what his odds were. I mean, we can, and we haven't mentioned Steph <laughs> right. Curry. We haven't even mentioned Steph Curry either. He's having an incredible right. year as yeah, well. Yeah, so there's yeah. so many great players this year, man. Shoot, there was a there was a tweet that had the odds for winning MVP this season. It's so many players, man. Uh, I'm gonna see who the I'm gonna see if I can find it. Real I guarantee quick. tomorrow wasn't even the top fifty. Probably not. He wasn't. Maybe not even. Yeah. There we go. So number one uh, was the the number one Joel Embiid with a plus one twenty five odds. Mm. And then number two is Nikola Djokic uh, with plus 275. And then number three is uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo with plus 400. Uh, Steph Curry, number four, with yeah. plus 1,200. And then number five, DeMar DeRozan, yeah. plus 1,300. Nice, man. So, Those are all worthy candidates, man. I know it's a regular season award, but I think there's going to be some emotional wooing Swing of the you know of those I I know that I think they put their votes in before the postseason probably but I, I think they I have think, to I think, yeah. yeah I think they do okay yeah either way man I, if he takes them to like the Eastern Conference or even the finals if the, he gets that Bulls team to the finals bro uh, I mean that's that's an incredible story all and by itself we know that in the past years uh, the NBA MVP has been more about a story than anything else so I think if, if uh, DeRozan keeps having what he's having and People calling it the second win would kind of—I think—that would kind of elevate him to. I hope to so. Get that it in. is a narrative-driven or narrative-driven award for sure. This is why I think that we've had this conversation before. Why there should be a most impressive player award and then most valuable player because yep. most impressive and value isn't always the same thing. Yeah. You know, the two aren't always mutually inclusive. Sometimes there could be a guy that's an absolute insane numbers wise. So like we've seen like the Russell Westbrooks and. Do we think he was the most valuable player when he was on those 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 uh, um, you know those teams when he was just collecting all those triple doubles? I don't know if he was the most valuable player, but he had the most impressive season for sure. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah. All right, man. So on Twitter, people have been going, you know, still saying that that the Lakers are a championship team. The Lakers could still win the championship, but after last night, can we agree this Lakers team? is not contending for a championship this season. I don't think it, last night's game is what tells me that. I think the it's a good the, game. the duration, yeah, the duration of, of the season and the fact that Anthony Davis hurt again. Yeah. I think that tells you it's they're not. Um I'm not going to be a, a blind individual here. I'm a guy that picked them to win the title this year. I was I was very high on this team because I thought Russell Westbrook was going to yeah. find a way to actually contribute to a team not trying to make the team contribute to him. And that's not what happened. It's the polar opposite of that. And LeBron, people talk about age. I, I, his age is one of the least concerns to me of this season because he's been one of the five best players in basketball this year. And I just, it, it just sucks to see because I felt like they could have been a really good story. They could have been a powerhouse. Uh, Anthony Davis just continues to just, I don't know what his issue is physically. I don't understand why this continues to happen to him, but he just finds the worst way, worst luck. I mean, the way he rolled his ankle, man, I've, I don't know if I've ever seen He's something clumsy. that bad. It's so bad, yeah. He's clumsy, man. And I, I think what it is, and I think it all stems back to his childhood when he blew up literally a foot within a summertime. Yeah. You know, he literally grew a foot. That's just weird. And he was a guard growing up. So I think he's still got that tendency to try to play smaller than he is. He's 6'11", man. Yeah. And I just think that that's what's happened to him, and it's unfortunate to see. So it's a, it's a clunker. It's a failure of a season. And no, they're not a championship team until they prove otherwise because I don't see anything close to that out of this Lakers team. They're, what, six games under five hundred and currently out of the playoffs. they got to do a lot more before I can even entertain that thought at this point. Yeah, I mean, without Anthony Davis, there's no way I'm going to say that. They, they need him regardless of what we think about him. 
he's he's 100% like just a clumsy, klutzy person. He just happens to be an elite athlete. You know what I mean? So he's constantly hurting himself because of weird, clumsy type things. Uh, that that ankle roll was rough to watch, man. His ankle bone literally touched the floor. Um, so all that weight coming down, that's a major injury there. Um, I hope he comes back. I hope he's good to go. But I, yeah, they're they're not a contender without that juggernaut of a player. They need him. He might come back just in time for the playoffs, possibly, and get the, you know get rolling maybe at the right time. The sparks can fly. We've seen it happen. We've seen you know momentum is a hell of a drug. So um, I I still hope that they can get there and maybe make a run. But I honestly that that candle is dwindling and it's about to go out. Honestly, and LeBron's been great all year. He's been fun to watch. But it's, there's always so much you can do as a as a one one man show to be honest. So no, I do not believe in the Lakers. Wow, I so don't. much faith on LeBron, huh? It has nothing to do with LeBron. You can look at the guy's numbers. He's got MVP numbers, man. But yeah. uh, but you say he's not winning MVP, so who knows? Definitely not. Wow. So not MVP numbers. Okay. Um, <laughs> next question. We're going to the NFL. Rumors are going around that Reggie Wayne will be the Colts wide receivers coach this upcoming season. I want to get your thoughts on on possibly a reunion. Yeah, so that's the, actually the first I've heard of that. That's actually pretty cool because it's one of the rare situations where a former player – comes back and does something like that. Like, I've heard so many Chiefs fans talk about Alex Smith. He needs to become the quarterback's coach. He needs to come and work for the team. Well, the dude's made over $130 million in his career. He good. I doubt he wants to work 90 hours a week. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't see that happening. He's going to bring in a broadcast job and then move on. So that's great for Reggie Wayne. I'm happy for him, man. Yeah. Well, I think we just got confirmation. Hold on. Let me uh, make sure and get our headsets going on here, as we like to do each and every week when we have our awesome guests here. We are joined... By 11-year MLB pitcher, host of the Big Mahomes Show on the Ebony Podcast Network, and father of the Chiefs quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, let's give it up for our guy, Pat Mahomes! How we doing, Pat? Doing great, guys. How y'all doing? We're great, man. We're so Good, glad you're man. here, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today, man. I want to... I want to start here with the, with the podcast, the Big Mahomes Show on the Ebony Podcast Network. I, you and I have never talked about this, but I'm really interested to know this. How exactly did this show come about? Uh, who convinced the great Pat Mahomes to get into the podcast game, and how much fun have you been having since you started this thing? Well, uh, I had met a lady named uh, LaBelle who uh, who does uh, various things with, like, books and stuff like that, and uh, she just uh, kind of hinted it out there to me, and it, it, it sounded like something that I would, you know, like to do. You know, I love talking sports. Uh, I don't like to be too critical. You know, I just want to, you know, go out there and talk a little bit and, and try to enlighten people on a little stuff that uh, that I know and, and that I've been through. Well, you pitched 11 seasons the major leagues. You pitched for six ball clubs and a career ERA of 225 and a 142 ERA in the 1999 NLCS versus the Braves. You and I have discussed uh, your career in the past, and, and one of the stories that stuck with me the most was when you mentioned your experience with veteran players early on in your career. If you could, could you expand on that and give us some real insight of what it was like finding your place in this in the majors? Well, it was kind of strange. When I, when I went up, I, I was actually the, the number one prospect in baseball. And um, the year before, the Twins uh, actually won the World Series. They beat the, the Braves. And so uh, I went to my first big league camp. You know, I got to go up there and and kind of be around it. I wasn't able to stay for the games and nothing like that, but I got to go practice with the guys and do all that stuff the year before. So I knew a few of the guys already. Uh, the next spring training in Fort Myers, we had uh, one spot open. 
and it was like five of us trying out for one spot. And uh, the manager, Tom Kelly, actually said that whoever, you know, pitched the best would get the spot. Well, to make a long story short, I ended up I ended up getting the spot. And so I was the only rookie on the team. So being a rookie, you know, first of all, I know some of the guys, but not really know them. I, I mean, I've seen them, I've, I've played with them, but I really haven't been around them a lot. So I would ask some of the veteran pitchers, you know, about how they held certain pitches or how they, you know, what their mindset was. And, and, and pretty much all of them to a man were pretty cold. You know, they like, Hey, you know, get away from me. You know, you'll be trying to take my job next year or whatever, whatever. And so I just kind of had to learn it all on my, on my own, you know, and it, and it took a while. So uh, that's why I felt the need that when I retired was when Patrick was getting ready to go back to high school. And I figured I needed to be there to kind of, you know, give him some of the knowledge about, you know, the sports that the sports that I had played and what I'd seen so that he would uh, be that much further ahead of the game. Well, I grew up playing baseball. I wasn't nearly as good as some other people, but uh, it was my favorite sport to play. Uh, and to quote the great Michael Squat, Scott from The Office, I wouldn't say I'm superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. Mm-hmm. Was Pat Mahomes superstitious? And if so, subscri- uh, maybe you know, describe some of your superstitions that you subscribe to. I think all baseball players are superstitious. Uh, I was big time superstitious. You know, uh, if I wore the, I wore certain uh, things to the ballpark that day and I pitched good, then I was going to wear it the next day or the yeah. next time I pitched. Uh, um, I jumped the lines, you know, when I came off the field, I never did want to, you know, hit the chalk lines. I, um, you know, I talked to myself, you know, I, you know, I just had like little different quirks that I would do. I would, drive to the ballpark the same route, you know, you know, stuff like that. And I've always been superstitious. I'm still superstitious. Um, I even do it with, you know, with Patrick, you know, as his first year starting, you know, I wore the outfit the, the first game, you know, September, the weather was pretty good. I had some white shorts and a, and a white jersey and some stuff on. And he ended up having a really good day that day on the – playing football so uh, I think he threw four touchdowns or whatever his first game there and so I had to wear it every game and, and they won so we've got through like five games and uh, end up having to be in New England and it was it was freezing out <laughs> and here I was out there with those white shorts on <laughs> in, a, in a white jersey I'm like kind of kind of hoping for a loss you know so I could buy and put some clothes back on <laughs> Like thanks, thanks, Patrick. I needed to change, man. And I was, I was yeah. starting to feel, you know, starting to go numb a little bit over here. And, and just, just for the record, Pat, you can always throw layers on top, and it still counts for you wearing that. Just to throw that out there, man. Oh, okay. Well, you know, <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. I know I damn near froze to death. The superstition stays. I promise. I promise. But you know, I try to keep a, a positive outlook on things. But the current state of the MLB, to say the least, is pretty bleak, man. And we were just actually talking about the Eddie Hour. And, and the Players Association and the league have met several times this offseason, and they just can't seem to gain any traction on getting an agreement in place. I know the the Competitive Balancing uh, the competitive balance Act, it's also known as a luxury tax, uh, penalizes top spending clubs that exceed the play, payroll threshold. And that's the major holdup in all this because the players contend it's a financial uh, disincentive. Uh, and, and, and I get that. But Pat, I know you have folks on the ground and, and, and in the inside, and 
I just want to know what they're telling you. I know you and I have talked. We were on the Big Mahomes show a little, a little over a week ago, I believe, and I, I just I got to know as a baseball fan, and there's a lot of people out there that want to know, I mean, are we going to miss games here? Or what's going to happen here, man? Well, I, th- I think we probably are going to miss a few. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. Uh, whenever you get into labor, you know, labor arguments and, and trying to get a, a collective bargaining agreement, you have a lot of a lot of underlying issues, a lot of a lot of things. The last, you know, collective bargaining uh, players gave up a lot of stuff, and uh, they were more concentrated on on other things than what they should have been concentrating on. And I think now that they're they're, they're doing it again, they don't want to make the same mistakes, so they're trying to get some of that stuff back. And the owners are are not willing to give it back, which you know that's why it's, that's why it's a negotiation, you know, but. Um, these things never end quickly, um, just to be honest with you. And and being now that they're saying that it's a, a Monday deadline or they're going to start missing games, well, I just don't see no way that it's going to get done by Monday. I mean, I, they had a meeting. I'm not, I know they've been having meetings every day now, but they had a meeting last week, and it lasted 15 minutes. Mm. So, I mean, so a, a lot was a lot isn't getting done real quickly. So. Yeah. You know, I hope that they don't miss games, but if I was procrastinating on it, I would say that that they're definitely going to miss some games. The season is definitely going to start a little bit later. (sighs) Well, I hate hearing that, Pat, but I I I think you're right, man. But I uh, I want to move into something when it comes to football. Um, I remember in 2018, uh, you had told me a famous story of when it was first predicted that your son Patrick uh, would uh, would one day be a quarterback or one day play football. If you could, could you share that short that story to our audience today, man? Because I, I truly enjoy this one for obvious reasons. Well, uh, I was playing independent baseball, and um, I went by a buddy of mine's house, and um, you know I've been driving all day. We had drove up. We had drove up. I think I just left Omaha. I, I did a little step with Omaha, and then I came up or whatever, and. So my son, you know, Patrick was super hyper, you know, he'd always want to be playing something and I was tired. So my buddy went out with him and they were throwing the football and um, he threw, he ran around, Patrick's probably about 12, 11, 12. He ran around, Patrick threw the ball, hit him right up beside the cheek, you know. He's like, damn, you know. <laughs> so he ran another route the other way and he hit him against the other cheek. You know, he, he turned the other cheek, huh? <laughs> yeah, he comes in and, and he's looking at me. He goes, he goes, I know you want your son to be a baseball player. He said, but your son's going to be a quarterback. I'm like, man, you're crazy. There ain't no way he's going to be a quarterback. That's his worst sport. You know, he's not going to play quarterback or whatever. And lo and behold, you know, he ended up being <laughs> the quarterback. But he said he's not going to – not only did he say he's going to be a quarterback, he said he's and, – and, and, and we're yet to this point. But he said that um, – not only is he going to be a quarterback, he's going to be the best quarterback in the league. And I'm like, he doesn't even play football like that. You know, he just messes around with it. So uh, I guess he knew what he was talking about because he's a, he's a quarterback. And uh, and my little baseball dream was uh, it didn't get to happen. <laughs> well, I, I think the alternative is all right, you know, if we're being honest. <laughs> but, you know, speaking of Patrick and his, and his NFL career, he's kicked off – a career unlike anything we've ever seen. And he's already experienced so much individual and team success, but we've also seen him and his team fall short of the overall goal a couple times in his early career. 
you know, you and Patrick have one of the, the true unique father-son relationships because you both have been and are top-tier professional athletes. And we all know that Patrick is a resilient and determined man and athlete, but I'm sure it doesn't hurt having a father that is not only there as his dad, but also understands the stage that he's on. How do you, as, a, as both his father and a former major leaguer, help guide him through these challenges such as, you know, a crushing loss in the AFC Championship that we just saw a month ago. There was literally two tales, uh, two, a tale of two stories from one half to the next. Well, you know, I, I really try to listen. You know, I, I, I watch the games and, and I see different stuff and, and we text during the week and I tell him different things that I think, you know, could help him out and stuff like that. But I mostly watch him to see if I'm seeing anything different. You know, I, I think a, a big key with him is his foot, his feet. Uh, when they start chopping real quick, I think he doesn't read the field as well. So, you know, I, I constantly tell him, you know, you got to have, you know, soft feet. You got to have soft feet, you know, and then you can scan. Then you can see what's going on. Slow the game down. You know, don't make the game go so fast. And, and that game there, you know, second half you know the play right before the half you know kind of it was something kind of weird to me because i'd never seen him do that before you know because he kind of he knew he, he knows the clock real well and he's pretty good with you know feeling pressure and stuff like that and and knowing when he has to get rid of the ball real quick or whatever and he held that ball and then he tried to call timeout and i was like i don't think we have any timeouts left and so that kind of gave me a little pause for concern Second half, I I just don't know. It was just it was just different. I'd never seen him play like that. So um, maybe maybe it's a credit to the Bengals. Maybe they came up with something that was really confusing him. But most of the times he can, you know, second half is normally when he when he really comes on, you know. So, but uh, it was it was strange. But I just I mean we've talked about it the game afterwards since, and uh, I know he, he's still hurting. I know he's more determined. I mean he just started back working out and. Uh, He's more determined to get there because I think the ones that he lose hurt way more than, you know, they, they fuel him way more than the ones that he win. I know he wants to be back there every year and he wants to win, you know, win it every year. But when he falls short, he just feels like the, that the season wasn't a success, you know, no matter where it ended up at. So uh, people would take, you know, four, you know, championship games, you know, and, and a couple of Super Bowls and be pretty happy about it. But I just know it just – it makes him that much matter and more determined to to get back there and to win it again. Patrick's only 26 years old. He'll be 27 this September. Uh, it's assumed that he's got many years of football left in him, given the ultra-competitive nature he exudes from press conferences, practices, and games like you said right there. You know, the, the losses stick with him a lot more than the wins do, or they at least drive him a lot more. Tom Brady just re retired, allegedly, at 44 years old. Do you anticipate that your son Patrick is going to be a quarterback that will play into his 40s? Um, you know, he's going to have to have luck. He's going to have to have some luck, you know, um, not get no, 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 no big injury or nothing like that. I know that he's going to play as long as he can, um, because he doesn't know anything else to do. You know, he's going to compete at whatever he does. I mean, me and him go out to the golf course. I mean, it's just like a football game. You know, we're going to compete and we're going to talk trash to each other and <laughs> try to beat each other. And, and that's all he knows how to do is compete. Um, Will he make it to 40? Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it won't be for lack of trying. 
because he, uh, he'll definitely be trying to get there because I know he has his eyes set on some, some, some goals and stuff that he wants to accomplish and it might take the 40 to get there. So, uh, you know, being that the guy set the bar so high over there, you know, and he's 44. So he might have to play the 40, but uh, um, game's a little different now. I mean, I think it's a little safer for quarterbacks. So if he can avoid you know, anything really, really big. I think he has a shot, you know, outside shot to make it to court. Well, just for the record, Pat, if he decides, you know, that, hey, I go, I want to go ahead and play until 40, I don't think any of us are going to be upset. I think we're all really good with that. So, Wouldn't Pat, mind. if you want to just go yeah. ahead and let him know that we fully support that decision, <laughs> I would really – I would be grateful for that. So, <laughs> Under one condition, though, that they can only play for the Chiefs now. There we go. Exactly. So Thank you, Pat. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> But but now you've gotten to uh, spend a handful of seasons around the NFL and have absorbed its culture. Could you explain to us, the people that don't really get that insight, just the, the similarities and differences between pro football culture and pro baseball culture? Well, I think the the, the biggest part of it is is I think the football players get cheated a little bit. They only get to go in the night before and, and get to see the city, you know, one night or whatever and most of them don't go out then you know they go ahead and catch quick dinner they got curfew and then they're at up next day going to meetings going to the ballpark and going home whereas in baseball you know we normally go to a city you know we're there four days we get a chance to you know soak it in soak it up and soak it in and 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 get to see different stuff you know and and which is which i think is is, is neat also the the mentality is in football mentality, you get one game a week, you only get 17 of them, you know. And in baseball, we get 162. So every game isn't do or die as much as theirs are. You know, they have to try to win every week. I mean, yeah, you try to win every baseball game, but it's not required for you to, you know, to, for you to have success. I mean, you just got to win more than you lose, uh, basically, and you'll probably get a chance to be in the playoff. Whereas in football, they got to have that mentality that, we got to win this week because this week is going to affect affect next week. And at the end of them, we stack them up and see how many we got, and if that's good enough for us to get in the playoffs or whatever. So that's 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 the different mindset I think that they have. Where, like I said, baseball, you have so many games that you kind of it's like a routine. You know, it's like every day you go to the ballpark and you go to the ballpark at a certain time, and, and you take your batting practice, and then you go up and get ready for the game. Then you play a baseball game, and then. You know, you go home afterwards or whatever you're going to do or go out or whatever you're going to do, and then you got to start back again the next day. Whereas in football, you know, like I said, it's once a week. Yeah. Sure. Well, this is going to be a little bit more of a personal question, Pat, but I, I've been really excited to hear this one from you, man. You, you've been a father for a long time now, but you've, been, you've recently become a grandfather. I, I want to know how much, how, much it's, how much fun it's been for you to be able to spoil a little Sterling as opposed to, you know, having to raise a son, raise kids. You're going to spoil you this granddaughter now and then send her back to Patrick and Brittany. What's this like for you, man? Well, I mean, it's getting fun now. It's, it's really getting <laughs> fun now. She's, I mean, she just turned one the other day uh, on the 20th. And uh, she's getting where she's starting to, you know, recognize a little bit more and understand, you know, kind of what's going on. You, you know, you can play ball with her a little bit of it. You can, you know, do I – mean, she knows who I am now. It's just not like, you know – this that so that's the fun part of it i think it's going to be awesome uh can't wait she starts walking and starts talking a little bit more being able to say uh pat pat instead of mom and dad you know but we're getting there it's a it's a slow process but once we get there i mean i think it's going to be a blast that's awesome man i'm 
happy for you guys, right. man. Uh, final question for you here, Pat. And again, I, I really do appreciate you being here with us, man. It's been an absolute blast. Love to have you back. I don't know how much time you've previously spent in Kansas City. I know you said that being a baseball player, you get to kind of soak in a, a town. So I'm assuming that you played here in Kansas City quite a bit. But you, you've been here a lot more over the last five years since Patrick got drafted here. Uh, now that your family has become a part of the Kansas City family and community, I, I'd really like to know your thoughts on the city and the people as a whole. And if this was the type of city environment you had envisioned for your son to inherit while he pursued his dreams. I mean, I, I love it there. Um... I love it there. I love the fans. The fans are 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 rowdy. I mean, it's right. It's the kingdom. You know, it's to me, it's the best fans around. Um, they're very supportive. Um, and and a funny story is, is when Patrick was getting drafted. When he was getting drafted, he uh, he came home, and I was asking him. You know, he was going on these trips. You know, he went to New York and he went to Chicago and. Houston and you know we were going to all these places some of them I got to go with him you know and everything and we were sitting around talking I said uh you know if, if, if you could go anywhere which one would you want to go to and uh, he said Kansas City and I was yeah. like okay and so we were hoping that you know that he went to Kansas City because of that it's not too big it's not too small you know it's it's a great you know fan base and and somewhere where he could go and like I said, he wouldn't have to start out like uh, like a guy from Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence or something, you know, with a team that's that's horrible. You know, you, at least you can play with a team that has some good players that had that have that have had success and you can maybe fit right in and, and then help contribute and, and get to where he was as quickly as he did because if he goes to somewhere else, let's say he went to Chicago or Cleveland or Cincinnati, you know, we wouldn't be talking about this probably, you know what I mean? Yeah, he would probably have good numbers, but he wouldn't have the team success that he has. And the team success, you know, brings the individual success. So um, KC is is an awesome place. I loved it when I played baseball, played baseball there. Uh, I've I loved it even more since I've been there. And now I'm just going to get everybody else to figure out my real name is Pat instead of Patrick's dad. <laughs> once I get that done, I'll really fall in love with yeah, man. Well, we, we love having him here. We hope he's here for a lot longer, uh, 15, 20 more years. Hopefully, that'd be great to have him here. I, we love yes, having you guys, more importantly. That's why I'm so glad to have you on the show, man, because I love hearing your stories because you had your career. You did what you've done. You've lived a life. And I always love talking to you, man. I always love having you here, and we'd love to have you back. Uh, guys, definitely follow my guy, Pat Mahomes, on the Big Mahomes Show. It's a great show. I've been a part of it. I, I've been very privileged to be a part of it. I'm very privileged to be able to talk to my guy, Pat. And, Pat, thank you so much for being here with us today, man. Oh, thanks for having me, Lance, Eddie, Trev. Hey, it's been a great time. Let's run it back anytime, all right? That sounds great, man. We look forward for sure. to it. Thank you, Pat. All right. Bye-bye. All right, that is our guy, Pat Mahomes. Uh, needless to say, man, I, I, I'm very humbled and very honored to have that conversation with him. He's always been such a good guy to me uh, since 2018 uh, when we first met. Uh, the, it was a, it was a great story. It was actually uh, the first time we ever got to meet in person was the home opener because yeah. the Chiefs played their first two games, as he had mentioned. He was wearing the same uh, outfit. I, I love that story, yeah, by the way. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, the first two games were obviously uh, back when they were in San Diego, the San Diego Chargers. And the uh, I'm sorry, no, I think they were L.A. at that time. I apologize. L.A. Yeah, LA. and then the and then the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And Patrick went on an absolute tear. Had ten touchdowns in two games to start yeah. his career off. And 
Uh, we met him at the 49ers game at home, and it was I was with Shaggy Shane, and uh, we were we were walking around. He said, "Hey, Pat wants to go to a tailgate." I was like, "All right, bet." We've never met him yet, whatever. Man, he had he had Pat had his family with him. He had like his uh, his mom and dad were there, and I got to meet the great Trisha, uh, Pat, awesome. Pat's wife. Yeah, I, I got to meet her, man. And just they were just great people, man. They just treated us like we were like we were lifelong buddies, man. And got to take a pic with Pat when I had my business, Casey Beardco. We're taking pictures with my shirt. He wore the shirt. I mean, it was just. These they just been awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, as great as Patrick is on the field, his family, man, we we love them off the field just as much. And again, Pat, for Pat to take the time today, dude, it's to hang out with us schmucks, dude. It just it means the world. So thank you, Pat. Follow him on Twitter, guys. He's at P Mahomes. Follow his show, uh, the Big Mom Show. They have a lot of baseball talk. They just had Lee Steinberg, who's actually Patrick's agent, on the on the show a couple weeks back. He's got a lot of former players on there. He has my ugly mug on the show every once in a while. Unfortunately, <laughs> but nevertheless, man, I just really enjoyed that conversation i really appreciate uh patrick for what or for pat for what he just did for us man because that would really meant a lot and oh, yeah. uh i want to move on before we get to the l's guys i actually want to talk about something that uh it, it adds on to the initial conversation from the coaching situation to now anthony hitchens's move uh the the the, the conversation of what's going to happen next what are the next moves the chiefs are going to make and I just want to gloss over this real quick because I've had a lot of people ask about it. And, and I think one of the moves that the Chiefs need to make is actually something that has to do with a player that's going to be on the team already that isn't going anywhere. It has nothing to do with contracts. It has nothing to do with anything like that. It actually has a lot to do with a running back. And as crazy as that sounds, because I know Andy Reid's not the type of coach that likes running the ball a lot, the confusing thing is, is this is the guy we talk about draft picks and how the drafts can be coming up very shortly. How the only draft pick the Chiefs have taken in the first round over the last three seasons was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And I made a post yesterday about this, and I want to ask you guys about this. What's puzzling to me is how the Chiefs have been handling Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I know he's had his injury concerns. I know he's missed, what, five or six games in his career in only two years. That's 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 a large portion of a season. Yeah. Uh, but but the, the thing that upsets me is that you see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in LSU in his final year. He had 215 rush attempts. And he had 55 receptions in one season. Then in two seasons with the Chiefs, he's averaging around 15 touches per game. He has less than those that, that amount. I think he has it was a 23 total games. He's averaging less rush attempts, and he has 55 receptions in his career in two seasons, the same amount that he had his final year at LSU. Now I'm not expecting Clyde Edwards-Helaire to become this 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 bell this bell cow, you know, where he the, the Chiefs are running their offense through him. That's never going to happen, especially yeah. in an Andy Reid offense. Even if you had a great running back, let alone line. a good one. Yeah. But what's what, what I don't understand is you you take that position with your only first round pick since Patrick Mahomes, and you're not utilizing him to the way that I think a first round running back should be utilized. And again, he's missed time, so I understand the production numbers can go down. But in the games he's playing, only 15 touches per game for a first-round running back you have on a rookie deal. I mean, the, the way the league utilizes running backs in today's NFL is you maximize their production in yeah. the first four to five years. That's the shelf life. Yeah. Right. We're going into year three of Clyde, and I feel like we still don't know what he is. I feel like now we should already know. Year three, we know what we got coming in. You know, Clyde's going to be 24 years old. This is his prime. He just had a great season last season. Like, we're not, we don't know that. We have no idea what Clyde's going to be at this point. 
And that's what's that's what's kind of upsetting me about this is that I feel that there is some real untapped potential, and I'm hoping to segue back to the co- the conversation of all this NFL head coaching experience now on the on the coaching staff with Eric Bieniemy and Matt Nagy now working together with Andy Reid. I'm hoping that that becomes something because to the fact of Matt Nagy coming back. When he was the Chiefs OC in 2017, the Chiefs finished ninth in the NFL in rushing. That's the second highest in the Andy Reid era. Now, people have been chanting at me. They had Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt was a third-round back. Okay, there's more expectation on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire than there ever was on Kareem Hunt. And Kareem Hunt is the better back. Let's clarify something. After the first season. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, going into his he career, he led the league in rushing. He wasn't even the starting running back coming in. Coming into Kareem's career, he was behind Spencer Ware. Spencer Ware got hurt, then Kareem took over. So that's the point I'm trying to make here is that Clyde should be even more an emphasis on this offense because you saw Kareem as soon as he started getting playing time, dude got the ball. I want to see Clyde getting production opportunity to produce. I'm not saying he's gonna be something great. I'm not even saying he's gonna be Kareem Hunt. What I'm saying, though, is give him the opportunity to prove otherwise. Because otherwise, what's the point of taking him in the first round? Ed, you uh, got yeah. Uh, I, I think, unfortunately, for Clyde, it's him playing against Patrick Mahomes and, and an offense who, who wants to go pass first, who wants to who wants to be that aggressive uh, team. Yeah. I, I think them going away from the running game has hurt uh, uh, Clyde. Not because he's a bad running back, not because he's a terrible running back. Because when he runs the ball, he... He has what uh, 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 he averages at least I would say four yards a carry, yep. something like that. Four and a half. Yeah, so he's a good running back. It's just him playing under Patrick Mahomes and that type of offense is what's killed. Yeah, we can sit here and say, well, Kareem Hunt playing the same. Yes, I agree, but but at the same time, I, I think it, it, we didn't know what Patrick was then yet. We didn't know what he was gonna be. We, we we had no real expectations on Patrick. We literally uh, we we can't sit here and say, well, we had uh, Super Bowl expectations for Patrick. We did not. We, nobody knew what Patrick was going to be. So now that we know what Patrick is and what he can be, it, it's taken away from the run game and and from the offense to 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 even uh, attempt running the ball at, at, at a high rate. So I, I think that's what's hurting Clyde. Not because he's a bad running back. Not because he's a terrible <clears throat> running back. He has the talent. <coughs> he has the talent, and I just don't think the Chiefs are utilizing him to his full potential. The analytics may say otherwise, but there is something beautiful and poetic about a balanced offensive of its offensive attack when you can run the ball soundly and you can throw the ball soundly. <coughs> That's what we need back in this offense. Because when you became one, when we became one dimensional, one dimensional, no matter how great Pat is, and he is great to where he is great to where he can overcome. You know certain coverages, regardless, because he's that great at extending plays, finding guys open, making throws that no one on the field thought he could get the ball there. That's what's made Pat so great throughout his career. But there's going to come a time where that falls flat, and that's what happened in the Bengals game. You know, the the Bengals played a pretty vanilla defense, brought three or four guys, and dropped eight at times. And and, and you know, I mean, they they found ways to play like a vanilla type of defense that Pat just couldn't overcome. You know, so running the ball made a lot of sense there. Unfortunately, we just didn't see that, you know. And um, Clyde, you, I've been barking that the whole entire his whole entire career so far as a chief. We need to use a lot, utilize him. I mean, I didn't like the I didn't like a first round running back pick in the first place. So if we're gonna if we're gonna do that, okay, we better make this guy our guy. And we haven't been utilizing him in the passing game, like you said. Uh, which is a strong suit, and which is crazy because Andy Reid is known early, especially the dominant years of his career early on, most 
90% of his career, he's been a very passing to the running back heavy offense, West Coast offense. <clears throat> we haven't seen that enough, you know, and um, I don't know. The, the, I think there, there, there might be a, an issue where, where the coaches don't fully believe in Clyde. I think that's an obvious, obvious thing because they ought to, it was very apparent that they believed in Kareem Hunt from the beginning. Yeah. Um, they knew he was a force. They knew he could do everything. They knew he could catch. They knew he could break tackles. Always made the first guy miss. Clyde hasn't been that guy. You know, Clyde has has had troubles having that initial burst on a run. He's not very fast. He's very elusive, but he, he's been having trouble shaking off defenders at times. And, and you know. And finding that open gap. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, and, and, and just going for it. Or being indecisive, and that's been a problem with him. And I think that's what made McKinnon look so good. Uh, was you know the fact he got it, he was just gone. He would just pick a direction, just fucking go, whether it was the right direction or not. He's gonna hit somebody. He's gonna run through somebody. He's gonna make that that play. He's just gonna run. Um, and that's what that's what we need. We need an assertive running back. And I feel like he's not been very assertive, and that might be a problem. Um, and he's been banged up a couple times already in his career. Um, so I, I like Clyde. I didn't like where we took him. Um, I definitely don't like taking running backs in the first round, but I like him and we have him. He's here. Pat wanted him here. We just got to utilize him the right way. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and play armchair expert, but I do think just from watching as an observer of the sport and a fan of his team, it, he's not being used right. Right. You know, he may not ever be, he's never going to be that. I'll just say he's never going to be that bell cow. Um, but he is very deadly in the passing game. We've, we've been squandering his talents in the passing game, in my opinion. Um, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping, like, like you said, Matt Nagy coming in with the RPOs, maybe getting him in motion a little bit, maybe finding ways to, you know, to hit him, you know, on a, some screen plays and have some upfield blocking from the receivers and tight ends. Those are very effective plays, especially in this offense, yeah. especially when you got Tyree Kell on the outside and Kelsey over the middle. Screen games to running backs is just going to be a deadly, a deadly attack. So using, utilizing more in that, maybe go drafting another late round running back who's a bigger body guy for short yardage, or if we bring back Daryl Williams, who I love still too. Um, having that thunder and lightning tack running wise, um, but he's definitely being utilized, underutilized in this offense, and it's pretty a, a, apparent and, and yeah. obvious. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping for some change offensively and scheme schematically wise, uh, offensively for this next season. Awesome. Yeah, I just wanted to get you guys quick thoughts on that because that was something that was just kind of bothered me uh, this week. Because again, I, I feel like when you have a first round pick and he's going into year three, you should probably have a, a sense or an idea. Uh, of what that player is going to be. I mean, Nick Bolton, not even a first-round pick. We, I think we all know what he is, a yeah. stud, like a sure solidified. He might take a step back. You know, that, that stuff happens at times. But if, let's say that was the best of Nick Bolton in the short amount of time he got to play oh, and yeah, still I, did what he did. I, I'm willing to live with that for the first couple like, of years of his career. He played like an eight-year pro you. this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he did, he did not look like a rookie at any moment. Right. Did he look like a rookie this year? I mean, there was a couple moments he got burned in coverage. Man, Nick Bolton is the, the, the strangest thing, real quick, and I'll say this and we'll move on to the final segment. The Chiefs were the youngest team in the playoffs this year. Like, people didn't understand yeah. that. Yeah, and we've been around, that, man. Yeah, they've been around for four straight years. And, and deep into the playoffs, you're thinking, okay, this is an old aging veteran team. You know, they they got guys on the way out. No, they were literally the youngest team in the playoffs. I think the average age was like 25.1 years old. I mean, this team is loaded with young talent. Orlando Brown Jr. is 100% going to be coming back at 25 years old. He's Yeah, he's part, he's partying with Patrick yeah. right now, chilling. That's his bachelor You know what I'm too. saying? I did see that Jerick McKinnon's out there, too, so that that's kind of a good hey. sign, too. Maybe they're just really good friends, but, hey, maybe Jerick McKinnon gets himself another one-year deal or something like that. I don't know, man. There's a lot of moving parts fucking, for the Chiefs uh, what, this year. What's his name? Geeter? Or what, what's Garrick Dieter. Garrick Dieter. Dieter. 
If he's there and he's having a good time, I mean, we know he's obviously in KC only because of his relationship with Mahomes. <laughs> it's safe to say that uh, Brown and McKinnon are going to be here next <laughs> They feel season. secure in their yeah. relationship, yeah. yeah. All right, so we have, uh, God, I think it's one order of business left, guys. What's it called? Hold this L. L. What we do each and every week is we finish off each and every year episode with a series of L's in the world of sports. Whether they're friendly or not friendly L's in the world of sports, we promise you, whoever's holding those L's in the world of sports deserve those L's in the world of sports. Mr. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo, 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 who's holding the L for you this week and why is it F1? It's not F1. I just love hearing him say that. Yeah. it's not F1. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna take my time, my turn. <coughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna give a uh, give it L or a W today. Uh, I'm not gonna stick with sports right now. Uh, this is this is more of me uh, sending my thoughts to to the country of Ukraine. Uh, what they're going through right now. It's something I I honestly don't want to see anybody going through. Uh, None of my, none of my family, my friends, nobody. It, it's 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 terrible what's happening out there. Uh, I just wanna I just wanna take this time and send my thoughts to them and and let them know that we're we're thinking of them. Of course, yeah. All the I mean, all the images we've been seeing out of Ukraine with the kids and um, you know all the the fathers having to be pulled from their families yeah. to do that. As a dad, dude, like I was yep. sitting there, was like trying not to get emotional. I'm, 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 I'm at work and I'm watching these videos, like the dads having to separate from their families because they're, he's like hugging and kissing his kids. They're all hugging and kissing their kids as they go to the safe zones and they got to go, you know, help out with whatever they can with the military and do whatever they got to do. That's just, man, that is yeah. like, that's I, the biggest nightmare yeah, for I any just, family. I just couldn't give out a W or, a, or a L just with that sitting, what's, what's in the going back on? Of, sitting in the back of my head. And yeah. I just wouldn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, my thoughts are with them. Uh, we, we are thinking yeah. of you guys. Yeah. And and be strong. Keep fighting. Yeah, hopefully we get through this. It's we it's just, it's this. strange, man. <laughs> this stuff is weird because uh, we've told you guys, anybody that's been following us for any length of time, you guys know we don't – we don't. Uh, I have, like, scripts and ideas and things like that that I'll, I'll maybe send the guys their ideas. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we have guests on, and I have some, you know, post questions and things of that nature. We don't talk about – what our L's are, W's are, anything like that before the show, ever. We never yeah. talk about these things. Eddie, I was going to do the exact same thing. And and it's because it's only the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. You're right, man. You're 100% right. And I think it's I think it's fitting that you're the one that got to, like, say that because you're the one that served our country of, yeah. of us three. You know what I mean? Like, you're the one that, like, got to be that guy that has that right to, like, really speak on. That's why before the show, ironically, we this was actually the, – the, the, the whole situation over there was brought up before we started recording. And you were the one that was being vocal about it because that's something that you actually understand. I can't understand some of these things. That's why we asked Pat Mahomes questions about baseball, questions about sports, pro play, being a pro player. I don't know those things. Yeah. That's why we have these people on. That's why we, we talk to people that have been in military because they understand these things. And I know that most of you guys, almost all of you, are probably watching this, listening to this, thinking, well, you guys are our escape. And we appreciate that. We appreciate that we can be your escape. But you can't escape reality in life. And we have to be able to at least show some sort of semblance and, and honor and respect and, and sympathy and apathy, quite frankly, for what is going on because it could very well be our backyard that this is going on in. And we can be appreciative if anything, that we live in a country where we feel that we are safe enough to feel the way we do. That's the thing we got to take in consideration. So not to, not to get on my soapbox because I don't deserve one, 
because I didn't serve my country like Eddie did or other people out there that are doing it and are brave and are doing what they do. And the Ukrainian people out there, my heart truly is with you guys for what it's worth. I don't know if that makes any difference. But the fact is, man, is that our show in unison, as crazy as that is, I'm, I love how that just that just pulled together because I was going to do it. Yeah. But because Eddie got to do it first, I think it, it's a lot more powerful and impactful. We, we stand we stand with the people of Ukraine, man, and we, we really hope that, that this can – be situated through through all the evil and through all the, the bullshit that's going on, the greed and the ego and all that stuff that, that makes this stuff what it is. We hope that those people can find rest and peace and can honor the ones that have fallen to, to stand for, for what they are as a people. And it's it's heartbreaking. It's sad. It's, it's horrible. You never want to see this stuff. But it happens, and unfortunately it does happen, and we just hope for the best at this point because that's all we can do at this point. And Hopefully we can bring that relief to you guys. Be sports show, saying what we say, but we also want to, like I say, express our thoughts and feelings and viewpoints on that. So, Eddie, thank you for bringing that up, man. I really do appreciate that, and I hope everybody understands why that was brought up because it was a very necessary thing to bring up. Yeah. But in the meantime, I got to be honest with you guys. This was this was a fun fucking show, man. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, I try to be as authentic and transparent as possible, guys. I'm not even going to try to fool you, man. To to have Pat Mahomes on our show. A show that we we've we've been working our asses off for three years to give you guys the best quality product we can give you. It means the world. It really does. And for him yeah. to want to come on here and talk about real things and and say the things he said, man, it, we don't take this stuff lightly. Yeah. It's a blessing every single every single week we get to do this show. Let alone have people that I respect as much as I do, Pat Mahomes, have come on here and, and talk sports with us. It means the world. And I hope you guys follow his work because he has a great show as well. So for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz. For Clay Windler that puts all this stuff together. For the great Pat Mahomes and the entire Mahomes, Mahomes family. I love Tanisha. I love all of them, man. They're all great people. I'm Lance Woodwell. And episode 156 is done, finished, and finito. And so 157 is here in a week's time. We out this bitch. Hey, We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoke. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit.